Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Franchise Interview Show. My name is Alexander Kazina, and I'm joined today by Eilert. Hey, guys. I uh, hope you uh, enjoyed this show. And today, I'm going to be interviewing Eilert on the Crisis series, which is a series that we have covered, covered on the Prime Gamers channel in the past. So it's not necessarily new ground for us collectively. However, I feel like the questions and opinions that I'm going to be prying out of Eilert over the course of this interview <laughs> are definitely going to be new to me and hopefully will be new to you, the audience. Um, so let's get right into it. You know, when I made the crisis video way back in the day, I will admit I did inject a fair bit of my own opinion into the script of what I felt about that game. That was definitely made at a time where I'd say that we didn't make as much of an effort to kind of like measure how games were received based on how kind of like critics as a whole thought of them. We were much more like, here's what we think of them. And in, since then, we've tried to be much more like, you know, fans and critics thought this, fans and critics thought that, instead of we at gamers thought this, we at gamers thought mm -hmm. that. Yeah, and correct. so if you go back and watch that video, I am a little bit kind of critical of it. And so I want to know, you know, genuinely uh, and, you know, unironically or anything like that, what is it that <laughs> you personally enjoy about crisis you know what kind of satisfaction does it uniquely provide you with that most other shooters don't so what i really liked and this is especially the case in the first crisis um when i booted that game up for the first time actually it was a demo <laughs> um i was overwhelmed with this feeling of exploration and experimentation uh the fact that you can just um you're dropped into this huge sandbox and all the tools uh, that the game provides you with, vehicles, weapons, they all just kind of allow you to um, transform the, the battlefield into your own little like play box. And I haven't really noticed this with uh, other shooters. Sure, you have Battlefield that gives you like all of the same equipment, but then it doesn't provide you with, or at least back in the time, with the same uh, level of physics or, uh, you know, the nano suit in particular really... Uh, lended itself to these uh, awesome moments where you can just like zip around the battlefield, you know, going at like Mach 3 speed and then pick up this North Korean soldier and like uh, throw him like two kilometers away, you know. Um, and, and all these things just kind of, you know, add to the immersiveness and, and really the playfulness of the series. And I, I think that's uh, an identity that the series has held uh, pretty much throughout its its lifespan, although it has kind of wavered uh, in between the iterations, uh, uh, where I'd say it's not as as strong as it has been in the first game. But uh, I'm sure we'll dive into that into uh, with your next questions. Yeah, we're going to get to the other Crisis games in time. Um, I want to stick to the first Crisis though. And I want to just say, you know, when I watched the opening video for the original Crisis, I was kind of given the impression that it was almost like a kind of superhero game, not unlike uh, titles like Infamous, for example, where you have an incredible amount of power and, you know, most combat encounters are kind of skewed in your favor. And what I found instead is that really on the whole, you really have to kind of put your work in in each combat encounter. But that was me personally. Based on the way you're describing it, it seems like you found it fairly effortless. Am I correct or incorrect in assuming that? Um, 
I think uh, th this mainly comes from the fact that I was playing uh, the series on PC, or at least the very early entries. And uh, from what I've heard, you've been playing the series, or you've been introduced to the series via console, correct? Uh, I mean, I did play the original one on PC as well. Okay, for sure. Well, yeah, in fact, you, if you recall, you specifically said, I really want you to play it on PC. Yeah, that's because correct. Because there were certain <laughs> things that were cut from the console version. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, I, I do agree in that it's more of a, a tactical shooter um, wh where you kind of have to, um, you know, calculate your, your uh, stratagem. You can't just, like, run in uh, into this um, combat scenario that pits you against 12 North Korean soldiers and expect that you'll be uh, the hero at the end of the uh, uh, encounter. But um, I, I, there's also a couple of moments where they just kind of intersparse these uh, moments with like standalone North Korean soldiers and you can just kind of, you know, go at them, you know. The, there are these moments where the game isn't really super tactical and it allows you to just have fun with your enemies. And I, I do agree that as a whole, the game is much more, um, you know, tactical than, than what a lot of people expect. And I believe that's um, also the impression that Crytek uh, got. And that's why they kind of pivoted towards these more, you know, bombastic, um, you know, play for feels, uh, grandiose moments in Crisis 2 and Crisis 3. I, I believe those moments were kind of influenced by players' feedback and that, you know, they, they do kind of want to feel like a hero wearing that nano suit and... Um, I, I do believe that uh, that I really like that mixture of having the these tactical moments and having these um, overpowering moments. And I feel like um, the latter games really emphasized the latter and not, not so much the former. And that's kind of where I believe the, the Crisis series uh, wavered in its strength. Hmm. So, you know, obviously we've talked a lot here about the kind of tactical nature of the Crisis games. But another kind of really huge aspect of the Crisis games that we haven't really brought up that much is the fact that these games looked, and I would say still look, really, really good. Back when, you know, the first Crisis was coming out, one of the big marketing points around it was that it would melt any PC short of NASA's and <laughs> deliver, you know, mind-blowing graphics. Hence the meme, but can it run Crisis? And, you know, when I was originally researching the series back in the day, the way I understood it is that Crytek hoped that this would encourage technophiles to pick it up and evangelize it in the short run, and that in the long run, it would have a long tail, because, you know, stronger PCs would become more affordable and all that. Would you say that, like, in the long run, this gamble worked out for Crytek? Do you think that it was a pretty long tail? Or do you think that kind of the narrative got a little bit too out of hand and maybe a lot of people that otherwise would have picked it up didn't really pick it up because they thought, oh, I just can't run it and I never will be able to run it. <laughs> well, this question really takes me back to the days when I was still in uh, middle school and uh, kind of scrapping together um, my my first PC from uh, all these little side jobs that I was doing outside of school. And I was looking at these, you know, videos from, I believe it was... Uh, Tiger Direct, they made these videos where they'll have like, um, they'll show off this graphics card and, and the announcer will say that, yeah, 
this graphics card will get you uh will have you run crisis at like high settings and maybe you'll get like 45 frames per second you know like this was really a big thing in pc culture back in the day everyone was talking about the hardware that would kind of beat crisis and truth be told none of the hardware back in the day was capable of doing that at all i mean crisis was just really two steps above all of the hardware that was available at the time um, do I think that was uh, in its strength, though? In the long run, absolutely, because um, what you would see is that a lot of these um, outlets would kind of reference Crisis in years even after the game was released as kind of a benchmark to uh, show what kind of graphics cards or uh, CPUs or whatever could uh, handle Crisis well. And I believe that kind of, you know, added it to its legacy um a lot of people um will, will still jokingly reference crisis as you just said and um yeah i i do believe overall that you know having uh crisis um make make this meme-esque legacy um contributed to its namesake you know everyone knows crisis and i, I believe that um, going forward, if ev if there's ever a new crisis, I, I definitely believe that, you know, for marketing purposes alone, it should kind of take advantage of, you know, being the most powerful, beefy game uh, that's kind of future-proof, as uh, so to speak. Um, I, I believe that it will make the game's longevity um, much, much more viable uh, in the long run. You'd have to imagine that when they eventually slash if they eventually bring it back, they'll probably they'll kind of reference uh, this whole, you know, can it run crisis stuff in kind of a very tongue in cheek way. Like they probably won't be like this, be very serious about it. They'll probably be like, hey, guys, we're the people that used to run uh, create a game that couldn't run on anything. Well, we're back. Yeah, no, I, I I'm not sure, though, because another part of pc culture these days is the fact that um even the cry engine like a lot of engines they're kind of built to last and it kind of um, also built to take uh advantage of really low performing hardware so perhaps crisis was really um a moment of its time you know like uh, back then you really need a beefy hardware to run beefy games and these days, you know, uh, you can buy yourself a, a, a budget graphics card and you can run Metro Exodus just fine, you know, and Metro mm. Exodus looks really good. So I, I'm not I'm not really sure how, how Crytek would go about doing that. But yeah, like you said, it would definitely benefit the game. Mm. So we've talked a fair bit about the original Crisis. We mm -hmm. also briefly brought up the sequels. However, we actually didn't really bring up uh, the other Crisis experience, which was Crisis Warhead. How do you feel about Crisis Warhead? Um, yeah, I. The fun thing is about uh, Crisis Warhead. The 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 whole reason I actually um, knew of the existence of this game was when I was going to meet my folks in Hungary. And uh, I read this um, interview in a magazine about, you know, uh, the game being developed by a studio called Crytek Hungary, which is not the prime studio, uh, which is uh, located in uh, Germany. So um, I was really taken aback, you know, my Hungary is like a really small country and um, it has really no major um, 
history with game development at all. So that was kind of my my first introduction to Warhead. Then I got to playing the game once it came out, and I was really like, what I really liked about Warhead was that it took all of the moments that made Crisis really strong, in my opinion, um, and it kind of like um, it, it 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 made them even more grandiose you had these um awesome new weapons uh you had the the hovercraft which i really enjoyed uh messing around with um so yeah i i do believe warhead is a uh good entry aside from the fact that it has some pretty pretty terrible cutscenes. <laughs> um but even that can play to its strengths i mean if you like these you know steven seagal b film esque uh cutscenes and and that's totally your thing i you know crisis ward is your game absolutely you you can correct me if i'm wrong but isn't there a cutscene in crisis warhead where the character is just sitting there for like a minute not doing anything yeah i believe that yeah i i think it was preceded by like a a cutscene that took even longer and it was like really long-winded but yeah that it's totally possible. <laughs> yeah, weird time, but I I played that too, and I, I I had some enjoyment out of that one as well. Um, one thing though that I never really got too much of a chance to play, and I'm interested to kind of hear your opinion on it, is a lot of the kind of multiplayer stuff in the Crisis series. Specifically, mm. I really didn't get much. I I think I dabbled around a little bit in the stuff in two and three. Really, not that much in one and Warhead. How do you feel about that stuff? And also like about a lot of the kind of community efforts, community creative content as well. Yeah. So uh, um, especially the latter, uh, the community created content was really big during the day. I, um, like you said, Crytek um, gave people a lot of tools to, to make their own levels. And uh, a lot of people also took this opportunity to, to um, create movies on YouTube so you'd have these um, machinima-esque uh, videos where people would kind of, you know, in a red versus blue way, uh, act out different um, scenarios. And that was really fun. But the biggest meme that, that spawned out of this was the um, 9,000 exploding barrels, you know, being recorded and then being put on YouTube uh, as a way for players to kind of um, tout how... Uh, powerful their graphics card or cpus were um they, they put all these barrels in the game and have them explode in 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 huge fashion and uh this this is at a time in youtube where you would go to the homepage and all of these videos would kind of show up in your feed regardless or if you were a gamer or not but um in terms of multiplayer i didn't really get a chance to play uh crisis one and warhead that much um, I did actually manage to record some multiplayer footage for uh, the video that we made and uh, <laughs> the servers were really empty but um, from what I remember about when I first played the, the Crisis uh, multiplayer back in the day uh, it was it was okay it was you know I'd say it's comparable to what you can expect from uh, the multiplayer components of uh, titles like Uncharted you know it's not really that mm. huge but people kind of revisit it from time to time. Yeah, they were certainly like, they were polished, some thought went into them. They weren't like a hack job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, we've been beating around the bush uh, here and there. 
Where is it that ultimately you come down on Crisis 2 and 3? Are they deserving of the hate they've received from the Crisis community over the years? Or do you think that they're better than everyone says? Uh, tough one. Because um, I, I, I think that Crisis 2 and uh, Crisis 3 are great games. Undoubtedly. I, I think that if you play them standalone... Uh, you can have a, a fantastic time uh, with, with both entries. Um, I just don't really believe that they necessarily live up to the namesake or, or the expectations set by Crisis 1 and, and Warhead. Um, I, I remember uh, a lot of the uh, talk back when Crisis 2 was released was, hey, where is the, uh, where's the jungle? Where is the, the, the great sandbox that we were given in the first uh, you know, crisis and and surely the the opportunity to kind of explore New York in this sandbox fashion was really interesting. Before Crisis Two was released, players were kind of expecting that New York would be this same sandbox in the vein of um, uh, of the first Crisis, but they were kind of disappointed to find that it was really more of a linear experience that didn't really lend itself to exploration all that much. Um, but then again, on the flip side, I do believe that in, in some cases it did make for a more cohesive gameplay uh, environment. You know, having players kind of um, strategize and, and, and in these more confined play spaces did allow them to um, handle combat scenarios more efficiently. Um, but personally, I just miss these like great moments where you have these insane firefights and you hop from a, a Humvee to like a tank and uh, everything happens so fast. And I, I just really miss that in Crisis 2. Crisis 3 did improve on that aspect a little bit, but um, for me, not enough, unfortunately. Mm. We um, Back when I worked on the Crisis video, I did it, I believe, shortly before or shortly after the... Um, video on the Resistance series, and mm -hmm. I kind of feel like that that series kind of followed a very similar trajectory, where the first game was kind of a little bit different from other shooters out there. It had a weapon wheel where you could choose whatever weapon you wanted to use at any given moment, and people really loved it for that. <laughs> and then the sequel, Resistance 2, kind of mainstreamified the series a lot, but it also arguably was a more polished product in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And when I went back and played some of those games um, in the lead up to making that video, I was like, you know, while I appreciate what Resistance 1 was doing more, I kind of want to play Resistance 2 more. Yeah, I get that. I also played the same trilogy and I, I understand your feelings, although I I do uh, feel that as with a Crisis, you know, there is some charm lost in having the experience be more mainstream or cater to a lar larger audience uh, in that regard. So, um, yeah, no, I, I feel the same way as you do. Mm. So there was an interview that uh, Savat Yurli, who is the co-founder and former gamer of Crytek, uh, that he held with Eurogamer in 2012. And he had this quote that really struck out to me as interesting. 
He said, we felt like a sandbox game that requires a lot of freedom like Crisis 1 was perceived as sort of an elite gamer kind of thing. Other games uh, that were more commercially successful than Crisis uh, as a formula were more hand-holding. And basically goes on to say how we kind of tried to bring this Cory Ref sandbox formula to the table, which is mixing the volume of sandbox, like what we had in the original Crisis, um, with you know some of the more linearity of Crisis 2. How do you kind of feel about that? Like this whole idea of like what Crisis 1 did being an elite gamer thing? <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. I, I do see his point in that, you know, it, it, it does require a different kind of mindset to approach the, the, the combat scenarios laid out by uh, the first Crisis. Um, but I I just, I, I feel bad whenever a, a, a person says this, you know, about, a, a gaming community as a whole that that you know you, you have to be someone different in order to tackle these scenarios i i, I just it, it there's kind of this this um discrepancy in that i i do feel that this may also be a problem with crisis one just not being released on consoles and them having not having um uh enjoyed the the feedback in the same way um that they could uh from the PC community until Crisis 1 did eventually release on on uh Xbox 360 and PS3 PS3 but i uh, by then it was kind of too late to to gather that feedback retroactively um but no i i i just don't want to say that it requires an elite gamer to tackle what Crisis 1 tried to offer i do feel like in many ways, it was still, you know, very approachable for for your everyday gamer. It, it still had these, um, you know, scenarios that you could just kind of rush through if you knew what you were doing. Not, you know, uh, be overly uh, ambitious. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know about the choreographed sandbox though. I I do feel like like I said before that Crisis Two did a stronger uh, job at being more polished experience, but then again, yeah, the, some of the charm was just lost. Mm. Um, you know, another major factor in the Crisis series decision to become a little bit more linear and streamlined was that Crytek wanted to get the series onto consoles. They, you know, wanted the series in front of a bigger audience to catch up with where the rest of the industry was going. And, you know, you'd have to imagine that that definitely played a huge part in the series becoming a little bit more restrictive in its design because it had to, you know, constrain itself to the PS3 and 360's hardware limitations. Do you think that this was, like, an unavoidable thing? Do you think that there's a parallel world that exists where Crytek decided to keep the series sort of exclusive to the PC and, you know, as a result, keep the design philosophy of the first crisis? Or do you think that there was, like, no avoiding the gravitational pull of the consoles? Yeah, it's difficult to tell because I believe that had Crisis One uh, been released now in a in a day in the um, in a time in the video game industry where consoles and PCs are very much more similar than it was during the uh, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 era, um, I, I think Crisis One would have stood more of a chance to kind of uh, show players uh, what its charm really was and. Um, I I don't think that you know 
the consoles were necessarily the the whole uh reason why um crisis went the direction that it eventually uh went in um but more its um commitment to uh having these really graphically intense moments and kind of um being this benchmark for for uh graphical capability you know showing the video game industry what crytek can really do with um you know what it's offered um i i don't think that there is a parallel world in which crisis remain exclusive to the pc especially these days um but yeah it's that's really a, a tough one. Uh, there's mm. many like exclusive PC exclusive franchises, and the reason why they're PC exclusive is because they really require a lot of um, keyboard inputs, you know. Right. And I don't believe that Crisis really fits into that category. I, I believe that you can still play just fine with the controller, and you know uh, things like the the weapon wheel and all the all of these um, aspects were already um, in the first Crisis, so. Yeah, I think it would have just translated just fine um, had it been released, had Crisis 1 been released these days on current-gen consoles. Hmm. By any chance, do you have uh, much experience? We talked earlier about the multiplayer mode in the original Crisis and Warhead. Do you have much experience with 2 or 3's multiplayer offerings? Um, I did play Crisis uh, 3's multiplayer for the video, and that was... Yeah, it was decent, decently fun. Um, Crisis Two, I I did also play back in the day, and um, it, it's tough because uh, li like with the first Crisis um, uh, game, it, it felt really much like this was uh, not so much an afterthought, but it wasn't really the main focus of of Crytek either. You know, they they just kind of um, put it on uh, for for marketing purposes, and. It's it's I I do believe that Crisis Two and Crisis Three went very much more in the direction that Call of Duty did. You know, Crisis One did have more open maps and and it was very much more reminiscent of games like Battlefield, where you also had tanks and vehicles and a large open map to explore. And and Crisis Two and Three uh, kind of kept it more close quarters and. Um, yeah, very much uh, the same design language that Call of Duty employs in its games. Hmm. Quickly, before I uh, wrap the interview up, do you have any uh, experience with the Crisis comics? No, I have not read them at all. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> all right. I, I, I'm asking partially because the Crisis comics actually delve into some pretty important plot points with regards to the like overall lore of the Crisis series. Oh, ah. Sorry about that. Uh, I, I briefly had a weird gag reflex in my mouth. Um, oh. <laughs> don't worry, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Um, sure. <laughs> but yeah, th for example, they explain uh, basically why it is that the protagonist that you play as in the original Crisis, Nomad, why he's not present in Crisis 2, and other interesting revelations. Yeah, because I didn't get that at all. I, the first time I played Crisis Two, I was like, "Who who am I playing now? Am, am I Alcatraz? Am I am I uh, you know Nomad? Even even Nomad briefly came up in my mind. I thought the whole Nano Suit was like like a metaphor for whoever entered the Nano Suit became the Nano Suit. So I was it was really all over the place. But uh, yeah, it was yeah, difficult I, to follow. I, 
I believe that they also like they delve a little bit more into like fleshing out and explaining what the deal is with the suit, how it's like created by the Ceph technology and all that stuff. Oh, for well. sure. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. So uh, to wrap up this interview, I want to look into the future. Do you think that there is a future in which Crisis returns? And if it were to return, what would you kind of want from a theoretical Crisis 4? Do you think that it's possible for the series to return in the same way that it was in 1, which was, you know, 1 was composed of a series of wide uh, yet open-ended individual levels? Or do you think that 4 would have to kind of follow in the footsteps of, you know, other contemporary first-person shooters where it's just like a single wide open world? <clears throat> I believe that nowadays we're seeing a return of these uh, single-player-focused uh, AAA games like Death Stranding. And I, I believe that my personal favorite game of last year, Metro Exodus, is kind of like a good analogy of how a, a theoretical Crisis 4 could make a comeback. You can definitely have a AAA single-player experience. Uh, you know, that's totally focused and, and knows what it wants to do. Um, I believe that in the current market, absolutely, a Crisis 4 that employs the same design language that the first Crisis 1 set out to uh, to make uh, definitely has a place in, in the current gaming market. I, I believe now more so than ever. So if Crytek ever wants to make a uh, return, I, they have some very cool... Uh, technical demos up on their youtube channel as well and a lot of people have actually theorized because they showed the island of the first uh, game in their tech demos a remastered version of it a lot of people have theorized that maybe this means that they're working on a new crisis within the same environment as the first one so who knows i would definitely love to see crisis return is all i'm trying to say here <laughs> all right Cool. Well, you know, I hope that for your sake that it does return. And who knows, maybe I'll give it a, another shot when it comes out. You awesome. Know, I, uh, my experience with the original Crisis may not have been perfect, but I really did appreciate what it was going for. And I would definitely want to see where uh, Crytek takes the series now that they've had all these kind of years of experience under their belt since the release of that game. Super. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. Well, Thank you for listening to episode five of the franchise interview show. Uh, this is you've been listening to Alexander Kazina and Eilert. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Kazina and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Cozy Bear Live. K-L-Z-I-B-E-A-R-L-I-V-E. Eilert? You can follow me on the Eilert on Twitter. And I don't have a cool Twitch uh, profile as Alexander does. So uh, you can yeah. follow the Prime channel if you haven't already. Oh, of course. Make sure that you follow the Prime channel. I, you'd have to imagine there's probably one or two people who follow this channel, but not the Prime channel, right? Yeah. If, if you if you exist, if you're listening to us, like go and check out the main Prime channel. There is a wealth of amazing content waiting for you there, <laughs> including our video on the rise and fall of Crisis. Exactly. Um, in the next episode. Eilert is going to be interviewing me on the Legend of Zelda series. So be uh, sure to tune in. Be sure to tune into that. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.